Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. On your way in this morning, you should have received a, a booklet. This booklet is the heart behind the next series of talk that we'll be having, giving our hearts and minds prepared for, for Christmas. It's called The Reveal, because God has the greatest reveal on the face of the planet. And uh, God is so epic that he revealed it gradually over time, and that today we are here because of that reveal. And uh, in order to get the fullness of this series, you need to follow this booklet to get the fullness of it. It's going to require some work out of you. Um, but this is the good kind of work that's just going to deepen your understanding of God and his plan for your life. And I want to start right off the bat, let you know, this is the goals for the series. This is what we're looking to accomplish with this series of talk. Number one is to show you that God has a plan. This, nothing happens by coincidence or mistake in God's economy. Listen, God is with you, he's for you, and he's ahead of you. And that's good news this morning. And the second thing you need to understand is that God's plan is revealed progressively which means like God doesn't give it to you all at once. If he did, you wouldn't be able to stand it. You wouldn't be able to stomach it. He has to break it down to bits and pieces so that you'll be able to understand and relate. And so it's a gradual process, this progressive revelation of God. Number three, the beautiful thing is God has you in mind, which means you are part of his plan. I want you to understand this morning you're not here by coincidence or mistake. God had you in mind this morning. God knew exactly what he was doing when he created you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knows every single detail about your life. The Bible even says that he counts to every single hair in your head. For some of us, that's a really easy thing for God to do. But I always like to believe we are the chosen few that God's like, I can trust you with less. Uh, because less is more, can you say amen? See, even bald heads can preach. Any, anything could be an illustration for God. Number four is that this is where the booklet comes into play. You need to sit with God. We developed this booklet as a five-week thing where every single day there's going to be a Bible reading from the Old Testament and the New Testament to show you how this progressive revelation actually works, that God revealed some things in the old and it was echoing the new. The old is a foreshadow of the new. And I need you to understand this. In order for us to fully get and grasp these next few talks, uh, is going to require some brain power. It's going to require that you really tune in. You cannot be distracted. So tell the person next to you, listen, don't distract me. I need to just, I need to lock in. Tell that right person, girl, you look good, but I just need to. If I don't lock in, then I might miss God in you. Because if I don't get God, I'll, I'll also lose the focus of why I might try to pursue you. But uh, in the meantime, what's your number? Um, but you got to zero in. You got to lock in on what God wants to do this morning. And, uh, and I, and I, I want to begin by kind of giving us an insight into this booklet, what went into this thing. By the way, um, I love that in-house we have people who are very creative. You know, I have these ideas, but then we have people that can actually bring them to life. Um, all this illustration that you see inside this book, it was done in-house by one of our young ladies named Grace. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if Grace is here, but shout out to Grace. Grace, could you stand for a second? I want everybody to know. (laughs) 
and she's single. Um, a number's in the back of the booklet. Um, it's a code. If you can decode it, then God's talking to you about grace. Um, but I love the fact that we have so many gifted people in the house that we can do all this stuff. Shout out also to Sean, our graphic designer, who, who put this thing together. So let's, 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 let's zero in on this. I want to get right into it. If you can open your booklet to the first page there, uh, this is the heart behind this series of talks. It's this two scriptures based in the book of Galatians. It tells you this. It says, but when the set time, another translation says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent us his son. I hope you understand this, that God has a timing for everything, right? And I'm glad that God is not Cavertian because God is always on time. He's not before time. He's not after time. You know, when God says 11.30, he means 11.30. He doesn't mean 11.45 or 11.55. God means 11.30. God has a timing, and but you have to understand this. It's his timing, not yours. If you're going to get the reveal of his will for your life, you have to understand he's got a timing for everything. And if he has a timing for sending his son, that means he has a timing for the things he's doing in your life as we speak. Right At the right time, he was born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. In other words, to purchase back the people that had been lost to the ways of sin. That we might become and receive adoption to sonship. Right off the bat, I hope you understand, the reason for Christmas is that God was on a mission to rescue people back to himself and to bring them into his family called the Church of Jesus Christ and that it required his son to come and pay a price for that. Now, did you know this? The Bible says that we were all slaves to sin. Every single one of us. But Jesus comes to restore us back to himself. There was a man named John Newton who lived in a time of slavery. He actually owned a slave ship. And one time in the middle of a terrible storm, he cried out to God for God's mercy to save him, to rescue him. And God came through in a miraculous way to the point that this man was able to get one of the greatest revelations of God. And he wrote this lyrics to say, amazing grace, how sweet the song, that save a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. That's the power of the Holy Spirit when he begins to quicken your life. And guess what? This very man that used to slave, who used to, who used to sell slaves now became someone who fought against slavery and wrote one of the greatest hymns that we ever sing in the history of humanity, Amazing Grace. That's the power of the gospel. And so, and so the way God does this is, again, you, it's, he has a timing for everything, and he has a process. We call this process a progressive revelation, which is the second page in your booklet. Progressive revelation means that it, it, it's, it's a happening or developing gradually or in stages. Okay? God has a plan for everything, and he does it in stages. If you go to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, it shows you that God has order and structure to everything that he does. Each and every day was structured in order according to his will and his purpose. It's the same thing that he's doing in your life as we speak. Also, the fact is that revelation means that it's a divine or supernatural disclosure to humans of something relating to human existence or the world. God is trying to reveal himself to humanity. 
And he does it in progressive ways, right? So God has a plan, right, for humanity. And in his sovereignty, the word sovereignty means that God is in control. You know, God is seeing the whole thing unfold, right? When you go to a parade, you watch the parade unfold from just your eye view. But God has this eye view of the parade. He can see where the parade starts. He can see where the parade is going. And he can see where the parade is going to end. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You might be in the middle of the parade, but God sees the whole parade. You might think it's congested right now. It doesn't make sense right now. But God says, I'm working everything out for the good of those who love me. I'm taking you somewhere. And he knows that we can't handle it all at once. And so he reveals it in bits and pieces for us to be able to understand and also trust him. And the more you spend time with someone and you see him come through, the more you want to trust him. Can you say amen? And so he has given us these documents that we call the Bible. The reality is the Bible is a series of documents. It's not a document. It's actually 66 books that's been given to us to be able to understand how this progressive revelation works. Did you know that the 66 books cover 16 centuries of history? Okay, there's 16 centuries here, 40 different writers. Some of them never met each other, but they had the unity of revelation because why? The whole thing was inspired by the Spirit of God to show people that, listen, life is going somewhere. God is gradually taking us somewhere. Don't be fooled what you're seeing in the world right now. We're going somewhere, and it's going to be a good thing in the end. God is working it out for the good of those who love him. And so this thing was, was put together when we, when we were also were able to have a printing shop. They decided, let's bring these documents together to show the unity of the revelation. But they're all individual documents. If you follow this blueprint, and I hope you do, you will see that all along in every single book, Jesus has been there. Gradually trying to show us who he is and what he's trying to do in our lives. And if you follow each day, you will see that there's many names for Jesus in the Bible. Starting in the beginning in Genesis, which I want to spend some time with us this morning to show you that when you begin to really unpack the word of God, man, there's always something else that God is trying to show you. This thing is active. It's alive. It's like a double-edged sword, the Bible says. It cuts through your emotions and feelings and gets to the heart of things. That's why sometimes as I'm preaching, you're like, man, why are you talking to me? Because God is that personal. He's talking exactly to you. He knows exactly where you are. Tell your neighbor, don't distract me. I need this. I need this. And I want you to know right off the bat, church, my conviction for 2019 is that we will grow deeper. As a church, we've grown wide. We have a lot of people, but we need to grow deeper. We need to put our roots in the word of God, into his will. And that requires work. The Bible says you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, which means like there's got to be some work that we have to do. And so I highly encourage you. I don't care how much time it is. It's not about the timing. It's about the quality of time, not the quantity of time. I pray that all week long you're saying, God, if it's so that you have a plan for the world and you have a plan for my life, I need to sit down and unpack this plan that you have for me. And I believe in that this thing can help you begin to digest some of the things that God has already done and show you how he's still in control. And if he's sovereign in the past, he's still sovereign today. Amen. And so, and so again, if you begin to look at this thing, right, week one... I love this. Right from Genesis, we begin to see how God planned to reveal Jesus to us. Because the whole point, if you don't get anything else today, the whole point of Revelation is for you to know Jesus. 
And the reason why that whole point is for you to know Jesus is that if you know Jesus, you'll know God. Jesus said, I am the son of God, which means I am equal with God. And, and, and we couldn't be fathom what it means to be God in spirit. So he's like, I need to take on human flesh and blood. I need to put on the human suit and go through what you go through to show you this is how I meant for you to live in the first place. This is how when you are calling out to me and your struggles and your pains, I've been there because Jesus cried. Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was hungry. Jesus went through all the different things we go through as human beings so we can say we have a savior that can actually relate. He's not some pie in the sky, but he's a God that is right here in the middle of the struggles. So this is what this progressive revelation looks like from Genesis. From Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 talks about the creation of the universe and, and how God created everything. And when he came to man, he decided to create a being that would look just like him. He said, let us. Right there, he shows you that God is a compound God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He says, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Not necessarily the way you look this morning, even though you look good. God is trying to go deeper than that. He's saying, no, it's deeper than your physical appearance. I'm talking about your emotions, your spirit, your ability to choose, to love, your ability to make decisions, your ability to produce, your ability to be creative. Let us make man in our image and our likeness so that you'll be able to be a productive citizen. You'll be able to add value to life. You'll be able to add value to people. I want to make you more like me. That's how God intended for you to be a productive person. But in the midst of this beautiful thing that God did in Genesis 3, we, be, we see the beginning of the end of this beautiful thing, which we call the fall of man. Right, Adam and Eve were living in this garden that God created. And then they have this moment where they disrupted the flow of what God was doing in their lives. This morning, I, I pray you understand this. I'm going to take us a little deep here this morning. That sin means the disruption of shalom. Shalom means peace. Okay, in the Jewish tradition... God said, I came to give you peace. And my purpose and my plans are for you to be prosperous, to live well. And that's why when Jesus came, the angel said, peace on earth. The shalom of God has come to earth in a physical form. Right? They had perfect shalom with God before they broke the covenant with God. Okay. In that moment, my friends, I hope you understand this. In that moment, the disruption was so powerful that it affected the entire human race. How do I know this? Because this morning, you're here, but there is a tension within you. A tension of the will of God versus everything else. If we were to be honest for a second, if we opened the floor up and we begin to talk to you and ask you what's going on, we would, we would talk about things like there's, there's a tension of anxiety, there's a tension of depression, there's a tension of suicide. Sometimes there's a tension of restlessness and there's a tension of addiction and there's a tension of fight. Why? Because we've broken shalom. So understand this this morning, we need to have a deeper understanding of sin. The point that we are trying to do as the people of God is not to tell you what to do or what not to do. It's to try to restore the shalom of God over your mind so you can have peace of mind. 
So if you look at God's will and commands just as do's and don'ts, you miss the whole point. He's trying to say, this is how you can restore the peace of God over your mind. And the peace of God is so powerful that it transcends all understanding that you can be going through hell and still have peace because God is bigger than your situation or circumstance that you find yourself in. But in order for this to happen, we have to understand the revelation of God is deeper than going to church, my friends. It's actually a reality of how you live in your life. And so we find ourselves in the middle of this tension. They broke shalom. They broke the peace of God. And what what do you do when you break the peace of God? You try to hide from God. That's the first thing they did. They try to hide from God. And that's what you see people say, I can't go to church. Do you know what I've done or I haven't done? The good news is when you break the shalom of God, God is not disappointed with you. God actually comes after you and says, come, let us reason together. Don't your sins look like it's messing you up? I'm here to restore shalom. That's why religion sucks. Religion sucks life out of you. God is trying to put life back into you to say, yes, yes, you messed up. But guess what? I'm coming after you. We run from God. And and God is the same God that is like, man, I don't care how much you run. I'm still going to come after you. I leave the 99 and come after you. He's trying to restore shalom back. Everything God is trying to do is to put back your mind, put back your heart, put back your relationships, put back your purpose, your identity, your destiny is found in him. You don't get to run away from him. You got to come towards him because when you come towards him, he's restoring you back to himself. It's the restoration of shalom, peace on earth, peace of mind, peace of heart, peace with each other. The first murder in the Bible was a brother that killed another brother, Cain and Abel. Why? Because Shalom was disrupted. And God said something powerful to him. He said, if you do the right thing, won't I bless you? Because when you're not at peace with God, you're not at peace with others. That's why I tell you, hurt people will always hurt people. But when the peace of God comes upon you, then you are healed and now you become a dispenser of healing. Now you become a dispenser of grace. Now you become a dispenser of truth. And you give what you receive, but you can't give what you don't have. So he tells them there's a consequence to breaking shalom. The consequence is not necessarily that he's trying to judge you or condemn you. He's trying to say, listen, sin is so powerful, it disrupted your peace of mind. To the point that you're trying to hide from me. Well, you can't, what are you going to go to hide from God? It's a disruption of the soul. It's a virus in the mind and heart that thinks we can run away from God. Which, by the way, we're going to go deeper, right? Yeah. Understand this. Understand this. God is as close to you in a Sunday morning as he is on a Monday morning. Yeah. We, we have to break this misconception that God is some places and not other places. No, God is every single place and he goes with you wherever you find yourself. So we need to break this religious mindset. I came to church. I shouldn't swear because I'm in church. But you swear tomorrow, God is right there. And it's not about your swearing. It's about your shalom. It's about your shalom. So well be it. So he says there is consequences. But guess what? I'm going to come in the middle of that consequence. The first good news that you hear in the Bible is in Genesis already. The first gospel ever preached was preached by God the Father himself. 
He says, yeah, yes, you've broken the covenant, you've broken the agreement, you've broken the commitment, but guess what? I'm coming to repair that. God doesn't take sin lightly, my friends, because it's the, it's the disruption of the very thing that he wants for your life. And here's what I find, my friends. This is, this is heartbreaking, but we fight against the very thing that God's trying to give us to give us peace. We will miss the heart of God when he tells you not to do something. He's not trying to tell you how to live your life. He's trying to tell you how to live in peace. You miss the whole point when you focus on commandments. The heart behind the commandment is the point. It's the heart that brings life. So he says to them, look, you didn't, you didn't get what I was trying to do. So here's what's going to happen. Genesis 3.15 tells you one of the consequences, but also the repairment of shalom. Look, he says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman. Now, who is God talking to here? Well, you got to backtrack a little bit. The serpent who came and told them, listen, you surely won't die. God is trying to hold back on you. One of the religious mindsets that we have is, you know, God is trying to hold back on you, so maybe I'm, when I'm older, I, I, I will get with God. This is, this is the same lie he's been telling from the beginning. Right? He makes you question the very thing that's supposed to bring you peace and happiness and joy. He's trying to say, no, no, that's not what you need. There's a shortcut to this thing. And he made it so appealing that they bought into it. You got to ask yourself the question today, what is so appealing in your heart and mind right now, but it's the very thing that might keep you away from the shalom that God is trying to give you? It looks so quick and such a quick fix. It's a quick buck or it's a quick hookup, but does it, does it bring shalom or does it disrupt the shalom of God over your life? I told you we got to go deeper. I'm not here to play games. I'm not here to play games. I don't have time to babysit. We're here to go deeper and understand that God does have a plan, but it's up to me to walk in the shalom of God, in the peace of God. And you got to ask yourself the question this morning, what is this hostility between you and the woman? He says, between now is what's going to happen. Picture this God in the middle speaking to Adam and Eve and speaking to this, to this creature that, that, that tells us that he's like a serpent. And you have to understand, God is full of metaphors. A serpent is cunning, is deceiving. It's deceitful. You ever talk to people who have that serpent feel to them and they just feel grimy and even though they tell you the right things, but you're like, man, I don't know, man. It just feels, it doesn't feel right. It just, I don't know where that's coming from, but you know, I don't know. I, the sermon tells me like, you're telling me the right things here, but they didn't catch that. She, he, it was a cunning thing. It was a deceiving thing. Are you paying attention? <laughs> Pay attention, my friends, to this disruption of Shalom. He never tells you I'm here to ruin your life. And so they are in this tension. He says, here's what's going to happen from this point on. There's going to be this hostility between you two. And you're like, what is this hostility? It's right now in your mind. That hostility. How like, you know how I many, for you guys, some of you guys this morning, you know how much work it took for you to just get here. You know the, man, the mind battles you've had this morning. And why is it that every time you're trying to go to God's house, that's the time you argue with your, with your significant other. That's the time that everything's trying to tell you, pull the car over. What, what, what's the point? I know what you did last night. All this stuff is the hostility. It's the warfare that he's trying to keep you from God. 
Bible calls him the accuser. But he says that there's a fight, there's a tension, you can sense it. You can sense it sometimes at two in the morning and you're trying to live right and he's trying to deceive you and he's trying to put things in your path and he's trying to make a way for you to be able to deviate from the will of God. You got to pay attention. It's a warfare. From the beginning, he says, you're in the middle of a war. And you're like, I didn't sign up for one. Are you alive? This is not one of those like, I'm not religious. Are you human? If you're a human being, you're in the middle of a warfare. The warfare of the mind, of the heart, decisions, choices, feelings, emotions. All of it is happening as we speak. He says, this is what's going to happen now. From now on, there's this warfare between you two and between your offspring, talking to the woman and talking to the, to the serpent and then her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This is the first prophetic revelation of Christmas. I need to break this down for you. He says, there's going to be this hostility between the two offspring. Another word for offspring is seed. He said, understand this. I'm giving you a prophetic revelation of the fact that you broke shalom, but I'm going to do everything I can to repair it. My friends, this is the first gospel announcement in the history of humanity. This is God saying, I'm going to use this woman and I'm going to bring a seed through her. And notice he says the seed of a woman. And we know this by scientific fact that women don't have seed. Women have an egg that needs to be fertilized by a seed. But he says, a seed of woman, why? Because this is going to be a virgin conception. This is not going to be a man's conception. It's not a man's seed. It's God's seed that's going to be in this woman. And you're like, why? Because it needs to be an uncorrupted seed. A seed has never broken shalom. It needs to be a perfect seed. It needs to be human because it needs to feel like human flesh and blood so you can say I can relate to what he's gone through but it needs to be incorrupted so that you can say listen now the repairness has taken place the bloodline has been corrupted but there's one who has a perfect blood that can come and bring the blood transfusion it's the perfect see that's why we can't reduce Christmas to just a little cute holiday thing no it's a very gruesome reality that we have broken shalom and God is doing something to repair Shalom came to repair the brokenness and he had to use his own flesh and blood. Understand this. He's saying, yes, he's going to be born of a woman, but he will have my seed. The seed of God. Therefore, the son of God. And he says, listen, I'm going to give you the revelation from the start that this thing is not going to be cute. It's not just going to be a cute commercial thing. It's going to be powerful, but it's going to require some hostility. Watch this. And he says, he will strike your head. My goodness. Understand the prophetic word here. Head is a metaphor for authority and power. He's saying the moment you decided to go with him, you gave him authority over your life. The reason why sin has such power over us is because we've given over the authority that God gave us in the first place. That's why we say things like, I can't seem to get away from this thing. I can't seem to overcome this thing. This thing has got me. You will make all the excuses. I'm not perfect. I'm trying so hard. Why? Because your authority is with the wrong guy. He says, but here's what's going to happen. 
the seed of man, the seed of woman is going to come and strike his head. Chop his head off. In other words, take his authority away from you. Last week, Pastor Steve talked about David and Goliath. You know what David did after he slung that thing and he hit his head and he dropped? You know, he says, I'm not done yet. I need to get a sword and chop his head off to say he has no more power over Israel. He has no more power over anybody in this place. And let me tell you something. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, the enemy has no power over your life. My God comes to chop his head off. I'm here to declare to you this morning that the head of addiction can be chopped off from your life. The head of depression can be chopped off from your life. The head of suicide can be chopped off. The head of poverty can be chopped off. The head of addiction can be chopped off. We're not playing games. My God. If you're talking like you're defeated, it's because you have the long allegiance. Christianity is about allegiance. Who are you allegiant to? Who do you salute to? We are enlisted now in the army of God and we live by grace and truth. The reason why some of us haven't seen breakthrough is that we're playing with the head instead of cutting it off. Cut off the head of the enemy from your life. He says, that's the power of the cross, my friends. It's not this cute little, you know, neon bluish thing that changes color every song. No, it's a reminder of what took place actually where he prophesied. This is what's going to happen. This is how he's going to strike his head. This is how he's going to strike his head. Look, he's going to go to the cross. Listen, the enemy's going to look like he's going to win. He's going to strike his heel. He's going to bruise him. But he says, by his stripes, you are being healed. In that moment, he's healing you. He's restoring you. He's changing your life. And you're like, how do you win with your hands tied? That means you are the boss of the universe. And you can tie your hands and say, I'll take your sin on me. I'll take your hurting on me. And I will give life off of me. The bloodline was restored. There's a blood transfusion in the spirit. If you're taking taking note, he's trying to say, I'm putting my blood in you. And when I put my blood in you, there's perfection. There's growth. There's progress. There's healing. There's restoration. There's affirmation. There's prosperity. There's identity. There's purpose. There's meaning. You're not just here passing time. You are here to be a child of God. It's time we take our rightful place as God's people. Understand what Jesus has done on our behalf. I'm not talking about good vibes. There are no good vibes. There's no shalom. I'm talking about a a transformation. A deep-rooted transformation. I have changed my allegiance. I'm with Jesus. And because I'm with Jesus, I'm under his blood. That's what we mean when we sing these weird songs with blood. We're saying that this reality of the cross, it pertains to me. He has changed me. His life is on my life. His will is on my will. His purpose is with me. Walk and wash away my sins. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's the blood. It's the lifeline. It's the transfusion that's taking place. That's why they tell you to donate blood, because there's life in blood. No life, no blood. That's why sometimes people need blood transfusions. That's why all of us need a spiritual blood transfusion. 
In that moment, my friends, this is the heart of Christmas. And the enemy is so clever, knowing how to deviate the focus and make it about all the stuff. And we argue, was Jesus born December 25th? I got good news for you and bad news. No. We missed the whole point. We argue about the outside things and neglect the transformation that he's trying to do inside of us. Who cares what day he was born? I'm just glad he was born and he's changing my life. By the way, historically speaking, the reason why we celebrated December 25th is because the Roman Empire, who, which was a pagan empire, the, 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 the emperor had an encounter with God in about 300 AD, and he decided we need to change things around here. And they took the biggest holiday season in their history with the pagan holidays. Like, okay, in order for us to show God that we're serious, we're going to take that day, and we're going to transform it into a Christian holiday. We're going to call it Christmas, and we're going to celebrate the presence of God in our lives because God has changed us from pagans into Christians. That's the reason why we celebrate on December 25th. So when people argue with you about Christmas trees and all that stuff, we're missing the point, and that's disrupting shalom all over again. I get so burnt up about these religious talks because it misses the point, and the meaning of sin is missing the point. Because we're arguing. What do you do when you're arguing? You're disrupting shalom. We're supposed to bring shalom. The people of God comes to restore shalom. That's why he saves you and he leaves you here. He says, now go and bring that. Bring that to your workplace tomorrow morning. Bring that to that disruptive relationship. You be the peacemaker. You bring shalom. My friends, these are not cute Facebook posts. This is a lifestyle of saying you left me on this earth and I'm going to bring shalom wherever I go. Because that's the good news. Did you know the gospel is you? You're the good news now. That's why it's pointless to argue about God's existence. Because you can't argue with fruits. Jesus said, you know how you're going to know if you, if you belong to me? By your fruits. Do you bring shalom? Do you bring healing? Do you, do you go and help strangers? And, and, and do you clothe the naked? Do you visit the hungry? Do you feed the poor? Because that's when you do when you're bringing shalom. That's the point, my friends. I pray we understand the season. It's not about charity. It's about being like Jesus. When you, when you bring a gift to a kid that's a stranger, you're restoring shalom. You're telling a total stranger, I don't know you, you don't know me, but there's a God who loves you, and I'm here to give you a little glimpse of shalom. This week, we donated 120 books to people behind bars, purpose-driven life, to say, we got to restore shalom. Because Jesus is closest to the outcasts. Read your Bibles. This season... People will fill pews, but their hearts will be empty if there's no shalom. Houses will be beautiful, but hearts will be empty if there's no shalom of God. If on December 26th there's no shalom, then we miss Christmas. That's the day after December 25th. 
says you will strike his heel. says it was just a temporary pain. Understand that God is in the business of restoring all things. Whatever you're going through right now, here's what I'm praying. This is what I mean about going deeper. Here's what I mean. I mean, ask God, what are you doing right now? What are you teaching me right now? How are you molding me right now? What is it that you're trying to show me right now? Because God doesn't even waste pain. God never wastes pain. It's actually his greatest way of teaching us his will and purpose. My friends, Christmas is about restoring the shalom of God. If you're still making excuses for your sin, you've missed the point. If you're still trying that hard in your own strength, you missed the point. He walked with his disciples for three years, teaching, preaching, healing, restoring. You know what he was doing? He's bringing the kingdom of God. He's trying to show them tangibly this is what it looks like to bring shalom. When there's a need, we feel it. When people are hurting, you speak to them. And you, and you touch those that no one else wants to touch. He touched lepers, people who no one else would touch in this society. He's like, let me show you how to restore shalom. People walk away from them. No, I go and touch the leopard. I go and touch the, the, the hurting and the broken. If we're not touching outcasts, we're not bringing shalom. We might be religious, but it ain't Christian. Christianity is flesh and blood. It's active. It touches and he brings healing. There are some people who are very deep religious people, but we've never touched anyone. This is not a theory, my friends. That's why he didn't say, hey, love you guys. He said no. You ever hear people, I'll be with you in spirit. No, you won't. If you're not there physically, you ain't there, period. He had to come physically so you can touch him. And his first disciple says, man, we touched him. We walked with him. We broke bread with him. And we, now we know the power of him. For three years, they didn't really get it until he was crucified. And they thought it was over. And he rose again. And he came back from the dead. And he says, now I have the power, the authority over heaven and earth. I struck the head of the enemy. Now go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, preaching and baptizing and showing them who I am. And one of the first ones, name is John. He wrote this, and he says, this is the point. That's why he came. He echoes Genesis, who was written centuries before he lived. Look what he says in John, in his own words. He says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil. He says, when you keep breaking shalom, you don't belong to Jesus. Who has been sinning since the beginning? Who has been missing the point from the beginning? But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. And when he comes on your life, he comes to destroy the works of the devil in your life. So you got to ask yourself a question this morning. Who am I allegiance to? And it's not your Facebook post. It's your fruits. If you find yourself keep missing shalom, you might be missing your allegiance. If you find yourself bringing shalom, maybe you got it. And that's what it comes down to. And, don't, and, and forget your excuses. I'm not perfect because the perfect one already did the work for you. And he's saying if you allow me to empower you, then you can live above the level of sin and mediocrity. If we're not living above sin and mediocrity, we might be just religious. This is what we mean about going deeper. 
we carry shalom with us. When these first Christians lived, you know what was impressive about them? It wasn't their theology. It was their practice. Do you know why? Because religion was already a thing. What made them stand out, they said, go read history for yourself. He says, no, these people actually do stuff. In a society where no one would touch the lepers, these guys would go in and visit the lepers. When Romans wouldn't care for kids because all they cared was the bloodline, all they wanted was, was males, they would throw the females away. Who would go and pick them up in the dumpsters was the Christians taking them and saying, you're a child of God and we're going to take care of you and we're going to love you. And let me make a point in a 21st century Christianity here. Don't tell me you care about abortion if you don't care about adoption. Because we love to to, to say we're for life, but we have to be for life, not just in the womb. We have to be for life after they were born. I'm telling you, this is real Christianity. It's real Christianity. It's not just saying cute things and and saying we have a stance when we're not doing anything with it. Don't tell me how cute your Facebook post was if you didn't show up to go serve the poor. That's Christianity. It's a tangible reminder that God is in the flesh with us. If God was one of us, which he was in Jesus, that's what he was doing. That's, my friend, is Christmas. It's not charity. It's a lifestyle of bringing shalom. I'm here to bring shalom. As long as I have breath in my life, it's to bring shalom. It's to restore shalom. The Bible says, as long as it's up to you, be at peace with everyone. Did you hear that? As long as it's up to you. Jesus always puts the ball in our court. He says, if you know someone has something against you, you go and fix it. Because you're the bringer of peace. You're the bringer of hope. You're the bringer of love. You don't wait for people to run to you. You go to them. One of the ways that I know people haven't gotten understood Christianity yet is when they're waiting for people. No one said hi to me. Well, then you say hi. You bring shalom. No one called me. Well, did you pick up the phone and call somebody? Did you heal somebody? Did you help somebody? Did you give to somebody? Did you bless somebody? It's about bringing shalom. Stop waiting. And I need need to tell you one more thing. Listen, the reason why some of us are hurting and struggling, because all we think is about ourselves. You know one way to overcome depression? Stop touching other people who are depressed. Stop speaking into their lives. Stop speaking into them. And guess what? Watch the boomerang effect. Watch the boomerang effect. You tell them God blesses you. God blesses you. You tell them God will heal you. God will heal you. You got telling you the boomerang effect. We got to stop feeling bad for ourselves. He didn't feel bad. He did something about it. That's Christmas. Keeps on giving. December 27th is Christmas. December 28th is Christmas. December 29th is Christmas. March 5th is Christmas. April 15th is Christmas. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is. I have shalom. Hell could be breaking loose. I can still have shalom. Because he says it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. Jesus. Fast forward to the first century. This young lady is visited by an angel. And I'll get into this more in Christmas time. 
But she was a young lady. Let me tell you something. God doesn't respect your age. He's looking for availability. You want to hear another religious talk? When I'm older, pay attention who's telling you that. Because God doesn't want to waste your youth. He says, remember you're created in the days of your youth. Before there comes time, you says, I have no more pleasure in them. Why? Because you broke shalom again and again and again and again and again. And you look back now, you're 45, you're 50. You're like, I have nothing to show for it. He's saying, remember the youth right now. Remember your God, your creator right now in this moment, in high school, in college. Remember that your creator is with you. Because I tell you this, I have people who went to school with me 20-something years ago who are still breaking shalom. And you look at their lives, you're like, is this what sin is? This young lady says, I'm your servant. What was spoken in Genesis, now centuries later, here is the seed of woman being revealed. And the gospel tells us this in Luke. He says, this is, this is the accomplishment of that reveal in Genesis. Go to Luke. He says, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The seed is not you. It's the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. That's the reveal, my friends. From Genesis all the way to Luke. This is what Jesus came to do, my friends. 21st century later, here you are. How do you know Jesus is real? Look at your life. Don't argue about it. I love a Verdean proverb that says, no one throws rocks at a barren tree. Do you understand what that means? If there's no, if there's no fruit in you, then why? Why are people worried? But if there's fruit, people want to pick at it. And you should be glad, he says, when they pick at you. Because it shows you, like, maybe you got it. Maybe you understood who I'm trying to do in your life. By the way, the ones who throw rocks are empty. Because if you add fruits, you wouldn't be looking for someone else's fruit to throw at. That was for free. That was for free. Because if I have fruit, I'm just going to pluck it. But if I don't, I'm, I'm upset that I don't, so I need to throw a rock at yours to make myself feel better. But I'm not feeling better. I'm just breaking shalom again. My friends, let's be the people of God in this 21st century. Let's show the world that there's a God. He says, when you shine, the whole world will know there's a God. Not when you argue. When you shine, he says, the world will know. You know, people don't know. People are more spiritual than you think. They know what's real. They know what's not. They'll poke at you to see how serious, how, how real is that? Is that real fruit? I want to know. I want, let me touch. Let me touch. Is that a real fruit? Remember, they fell over a fruit and Jesus said, I'm trying to produce fruit in you so you'll never have to feel like you have to buy a fruit that's not yours. <laughs> My God. I feel like preaching. This is why... Goodness. You understand that? The Ten Commandment tells you do not, do not covet. You know why it tells you not to covet? He says if you have all the other nine, you have no reason to want someone else's life. Come on, man. Oh, my goodness. Y'all ain't ready for this. I'm, tr- I'm trying to bring Christmas to us. It's all here. It's all available to us. 
The reveal is here. You have two choices. Keep living your life like you already arrived. But I believe this. When it really hits home, you're hungry for more. You're hungry for more. Isn't that amazing? They had a garden. Did you know that that garden was as big as a country? It's where modern-day Iraq is today, if you're wondering where this paradise was. Modern-day Iraq. They had it all. They missed it. God was trying to say, man, I'll give you everything you want. You don't have to break shalom with me. I'm for you. You don't have to cut corners for God to bless you. You don't. When you do, you're just breaking shalom. That's why we're anxious. That's why we're worried. That's why we're frustrated because we're trying to cut corners as opposed to stay the course. That's why I say it's a progressive revelation. be honest with you, some of you, you're not going to see the fullness of what, what I'm trying to say for another 10, 20 years. But we live in an instant gratification society. We think, I came to church once, nothing happened. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I'm convicted by this. In 2019, we're going to go deeper. If, you, if you're not into going deeper, you're not going to like this church. Because I'm not giving my life for this to babysit. I want to see us reach the fullness of God's will for our lives. All of us. But it's going to require some work. God is in the crockpot business. In a microwavable society. So you need to figure out, am I microwavable or am I crockpot? You need to tell a girl, I'm looking at you, but I'm thinking long term. I'm not thinking, I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm talking about, are we going to go to distance on this thing? If we're not going to go to distance, let's call it now. Because I don't want to waste time. Life is too precious to be wasting time and keep breaking shalom. So we're not trying to tell you what to do, what not to do. I'm trying to tell you, man, live with God, you'll have shalom. Peace of mind, heart. When he tells you, to do something, he's thinking about you. When he tells you, stop doing this, he, he's telling you, stop breaking shalom. It's not going to end well. Okay? If you're still thinking, yo, they tell you what to do. When you tell you give offering, you know what he's telling you? Understand where your blessings come from. There will always be food at your table if you keep trusting me, if you keep believing. Understand this, man. We don't want anything from you other than your peace of mind. To God to restore you. So you can actually have a Christmas filled with the peace and the joy of the Lord. Come on, let's go. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you this morning. Is there peace? Is there joy? Because that's what Jesus brings. That's what he brings in the midst of chaos. He even made a point. I don't know if you understand. Jesus' life is powerful. This is the CEO of heaven. He said, I'm going to make a choice to be homeless. To show you that it's not stuff that you need. But it's too good to leave you homeless. He says, I came to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there's many houses. I came to prepare a place for you. My goodness, he's so good. Don't miss it by being in a rush. By doing your religious, you punched in, you punched out. That's not the point. And don't argue this stuff. Let your fruit speak. That's when you know it's real. That's when you know it's real. 
This church gets criticized by people who are empty. Because if you're paying attention, you know God's here. And he's working and he's moving and he's changing lives. But hurt people will always hurt. But we don't stiff arm that. We say, how can we help heal you? How can we help restore you? I want to be a bringer of shalom. I want to be married. Did you know that all of us are pregnant? All of us. Pregnant with the possibilities of God. Pregnant with the purposes of God. Ready to give birth to something powerful and meaningful. I feel a prophetic word in my heart. I feel some of you guys, you have a business in you. I believe that you're supposed to launch businesses to bless people. To help bring shalom in certain ways. Because you open up places where people can have jobs and, and you can provide for people's families. That's a beautiful thing God wants to do. I was talking to someone this week about that. I said, you know, the beauty, what I love about this church is that I love to see people in their in their element, whatever that is, a real estate agent or a teacher or a lawyer. But wherever you are, you're bringing shalom. Wherever you are, you're bringing God with you. Like, that's the point. He brings us together to say, I'm refilling your ability to bring shalom. So when you go, you're bringing something to the table. Wherever you are, people are like, man, you're... Someone told me this week, he's a project manager. It's like, people sometimes look at me and say something different about you. And it's like, that's my chance to say... Here's why. Here's why. My friends, that's the point of Christmas. It's for us to receive and then to give. Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you don't know that until you give. Then you know what it means to receive. Would you lift your hands and receive fresh anointing right now? Fresh anointing. Jesus, come. Oh, come Holy Spirit. Rest on us. Oh, come Holy Spirit. Come on, would you invite him? Say come. Bring your shalom. Bring your healing. Bring your grace. Bring your peace. Oh, bring your love and mercy. Renew my mind this morning. Oh, reconnect with me, Lord. Restore my peace. Restore my joy. Restore my love. Oh, come, Lord. Come in a fresh way, God. Fresh revelations. Oh. Center our hearts today, Lord. Jesus, be the center of my heart. The center of my thoughts. Oh, come, Lord. Have your way in me. Let Christmas happen in my heart today, Lord. Jesus, you are welcome here. Come on, would you pray that? You are welcome here. Oh, you are welcome. You are welcome here, Lord. Restore my joy, restore my peace. Listen, maybe you're here today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus came to adopt you into his family. 
to make you a son or a daughter of the Most High. That's the whole purpose of Christmas. So if you're here today, you don't have Jesus as the Lord of your life. Maybe you've been to church, you've done religious things, but you're like, man, I, I, I want Jesus in my life. I want that shalom you talked about. I want the forgiveness of sin. I want to live in the fullness of his will. I'm going to pray a prayer, and this is for you. Would you pray this prayer with me? Would you bow your heads with me for a second? The only reason I ask for people to bow their heads is that we don't get distracted by the person next to us. If that's you, I want to pray this prayer. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that this Jesus, oh, he is who he says he is. He is Lord. He is Savior. He'll come into your life and begin a journey with you, a progressive journey of revealing himself and showing you his will. So with every head bow, eyes closed, this prayer is for you. Say it with me. Say it from your heart. you got to mean it. Would you say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive you my sins. Today, I pledge allegiance to you as the Lord and Savior of my life. Restore your shalom in me and empower me to live now above the level of sin and mediocrity. Spirit of Jesus, fall fresh on me. I am yours today, tomorrow, and forever. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.